0: time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser are in the house. All natural. No pesticides. No artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners. This is Radio 1020 KDKA.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we are getting ready for another hour of the Organic Gardeners. We'd love you to join the program. You know, spring is here. The weather is warm. Folks are getting out, doing some stuff in the yard, and the garden. Uh, The number to dial is 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank, Access, kdk.com. We'll take the 10th caller right now to win that gift certificate to Sorgles. Getting all geared up there as well for the spring planting season at 412-922-1020. Here they are, ladies and gentlemen, Doug and Jess from triblive.com in another edition of the organic gardeners good morning guys
2: good morning doug oster from the pittsburgh tribune review
3: and i'm horticulturist jessica walliser
2: well we're on the road again today big plans big plans going to giant eagle market district for our free monthly gardening and cooking demonstration we're talking spring gardening
3: tips actually we're not i looked at the calendar wrong we're talking about our favorite flowers today so we're going to have to rethink. We're going to plan. talking about our favorite
2: <laughs> spring gardening flower tips. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and cooking a spinach and Gruyere. tight Breakfast strata. Everybody gets free seeds. We've got Sorgal's gift certificates to raffle away and free roses. One lucky person will get three roses at each store, courtesy of Anthony. Anthony Tesler, USA. We're at the Bethel Park Giant Eagle Market District at 9.30, 12 o'clock at Waterworks and Fox Chapel, and then 2.30 at Pine. Come out early so you can get a seat. It always is standing room only, and we have so much fun.
3: And it's going to be a beautiful day to talk about gardening.
2: Oh, yeah. For sure. Oh, so, it's, oh gosh. It's just so, it's so nice to see the weather change like this.
3: And I was out working yesterday, and I have a funny story, right? So it does... I You know... I, it's interesting for me. I like you know, I like to learn when something new happens in my garden or I see something new, I love to go and look it up and make sure you know, I have a background on it. Well, something happened to me yesterday for the first time ever and I was stymied and I was like, I'm going to have to go Google this because I don't know what it is. So I was cleaning up some mulch that had um, washed onto the patio and I was out with a broom sweeping it off and I bent down and we have a row of boxwoods around the outer edge of the patio and I bent down to sort of sweep with my hand something up off of the patio and my boxwoods sounded like Rice Krispies, like snap crackle popping going on in the boxwoods. And I put my like ear at closer. The, at,
2: at the plant or at the base? The,
3: the plant. The whole, the, the the greenery of the plant. So I put my ear up to it. What the heck is going on? So I go further down the row of the boxwood, put my ear up to it. More snap, crackle, pop. <laughs> like very audible. And I was like, this is really weird. What the heck is going on? So I Googled boxwoods making snapping noises. <laughs> and here... This is, there. I found a few articles about this phenomenon and it's boxwood leaf miners, which I knew I had last year on the boxwoods in the front of the house, but I don't recall hearing the sound before. So, and then I look closer on these boxwood and there are blotches on some of the leaves. And when you crack the leaves open, you see the little larva of the boxwood leaf miner fly inside of the leaf tissue because it's what a leaf miner does it's in between the two layers of the leaves or the outer layers of the leaves and it eats the tissue in between well this is snap crackle pop noise is the sound of them literally munching on the leaves from <laughs> inside of the leaf tissue and they're li- they're tiny little you know wiggly grub like creatures and they're bright orange and they're you know they're gross but they're also kind of pretty because they're this bright what orange are you going to do well, that's the question, right? they're
2: inside the they're leaf. They're
3: inside the leaf. So anything, you, you you know, if you would use horticultural oil or insecticidal soap, it's completely, you know, the, the insect is immune to it. And that's why leaf miners are of all sorts are such a challenge. And that's why people a lot of times will turn to systemic. Well, you don't want to use a systemic because that gets also in the nectar and pollen. And yes, boxwood right. bloom. And they are a favorite of several species of bees. And you could potentially, you know, risk harming or even killing the bees. So... I still have to do a bit of research, but I'm going to use yellow sticky traps because they're going to emerge as adults in another week or so, and I'm hoping to trap as many as I can, but there's not much I can do about it now. Crazy.
1: 866-391-1020, dollar bank instant access, kdk.com. Congratulations. Betty from Pittsburgh won that gift certificate from Sorgles. Your call's next with Doug and Jess.
0: Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green, the organic gardeners. This is Radio 1020,
1: KDKA. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Doug and Jess are ready to go to work. We have open phone lines. Anything on your mind in the way of your garden? Now would be a perfect time to call 866-391-1020, dollar bank, instant access, KDKA.
2: And this coming Saturday, I will be at the Spring Garden Symposium at Glade Run Lutheran Services up in Zeely. Uh, great, uh, great... Uh, garden event every year Jess was there last year I was there I think the year before It's always and, such a yeah, fun time up just there just filled with gardeners A lot of fun And for a great cause they, they help trouble kids And what's going on in your garden Jess Because I'm getting ready to plant pansies Nice I can't wait Pansies and violas Uh it's gonna be oh it's gonna be spectacular
3: well this this week on my agenda is to get some lettuce into the garden and get my peas planted and a couple of other early spring crops I want to get some cabbage out and uh, broccoli out looks like the weather might hold out to be pretty decent for the coming week, so I know we'll still get cold at night, so I'm only gonna do my uh my cold weather crops uh, but won't it, be long It's
2: funny because I was listening to the weather people with the warm-up. And, and I heard one say, well, looking at this weather, I bet you I won't even have to say freezing temperatures again until next October. And I'm like,
3: yeah, right." Yeah.
2: <laughs> as a gardener, you know, you know, yep, all the way through April and into May, you're going to get some, uh, some cool weather, that's for sure.
3: That's why we never want to plant any warm weather crops. So don't do your tomatoes, or your peppers, or any annuals. Don't get those outside until the middle of May, because otherwise you're going to risk losing them. Because May 15th is our technical last frost date here for our zone. So, um, you know, don't jump the gun.
1: Hey, Dorian. Good morning. Welcome to the program.
0: How do you grow a pumpkin?
3: How do we grow pumpkins? All right. Well, this is an example. No, how how do
0: I grow a pumpkin? Right. How do I do it?
3: Right. So... This is an example of what we were just talking about, which is a warm season crop. So they're very easy to grow from seed. So you can go out into the garden and plant some seeds, usually around the middle of May, around May 15th. Anytime between May 15th and uh, Memorial Day is a fine time to do it. Don't do it any earlier than that because they are frost sensitive.
2: How about about starting early? Early, like in a peat pot. Do you do that? You could. You could. Do them? You, could or do you start just direct them? sow them.
3: I direct sow them. I I put the seeds right out into the garden. Work a little bit of organic matter. Like if you can get a bag of compost or some well-aged horse manure, work that into the area before you plant it because they're pretty heavy feeders.
2: Yeah, heavy feeder, and they want water too.
3: They definitely do. And one of the things with pumpkins, you know, you need a lot of room because they can take up easily a hundred square feet of space. So. Give them an awful lot of room or grow them up a trellis. You know, support the plants by having them grow up a trellis or an arbor or some sort of vertical support. And then you're going to have to support the developing pumpkins as well if you grow them vertically. In a little
2: kind of sling type thing. Yeah, exactly.
3: You can use like a ripped up old sheet or an old t-shirt. I use my pantyhose. Do you? Mm -hmm. After you're done wearing them, I would hope. Yeah, good.
1: (laughs) Hey, let's say hi to Steve. Steve, good morning. Welcome to the program.
0: Good morning, all. Happy Sunday to you. Happy Sunday. Thank you. uh, On your advice, we bought a couple of the apple maggot traps that we hang in the tree. Great. And one of the, in the directions, they say put them out two weeks before the bud blooms. And my question is, I'm really bad at tracking when my buds bloom, so I don't know when two weeks before that is either.
3: Yeah, (laughs) that is the tough thing, and that is something that's a little hard to predict because you know you never. That's a great
2: question because you
3: never know what the weather's going to do. So some years, you know, some years the apples are open in early April, and some years they're not open until two weeks later. So how do you know? Mm -hmm. So I would wait until, like, I know on my apple trees the buds are not even really starting. They're starting to swell, but they're not showing any color or anything like that. So I think it's much too early um, to do that. I would say once they really start to you start to see that pink blush on the buds that that would be about the right time to start hanging them up in the tree you got the red uh shiny red sphere traps that are sticky yes yeah good good well listen we want to hear from you about how it goes for you you know if you're seeing any of the uh, apple maggot flies trapped on there how many you see and how it does for controlling the um, maggots in your apples because they work great for me but
2: and will he need a coddling moth also will he need a coddling moth Yeah, because
3: that's a different... Did you get some of those also, Steve?
2: Uh, We haven't got them yet, but I think
4: we have them on order.
3: Okay, good. So that's sort of like that triangular I was describing. It's almost like a prism-shaped, another lure, and that's a pheromone-based lure that attracts the adult apple codling moths. Uh, so those are the two pests that will make those little worms in your apple that are very, very yeah. unappetizing. But yeah. it, in a home <coughs> setting, they're easily controlled with those two traps.
1: All right, Steve, thanks for the call. 866-391-1020, Dollar Bank, instant access, kdk.com.
2: Well, the other thing that I'm going to get started are lots of seeds from vegetables. And I i love to I love to put the carrot seeds and the radish seeds together. That's how I always do it. The radishes come up first and again, those thinnings, they're always too close together. You have to give them room to to, to head up. But those thinnings are just so good in the salad. You know, microgreens, so they're highly nutritious, expensive in the store, but nothing can compare to your, your garden microgreens. And then as those radishes head up, uh, boy, pull those out and leave room for the carrots. Then those carrots, too, I use the thinnings of those in the salad, too. I love the thinnings.
3: Mm -hmm. Do you eat the thinnings? I do, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that you bring up radishes because a lot of people express that they have trouble growing radishes. And almost always the issue is that you're planting them too late. Right now, here in Pittsburgh uh, and sort of all over the Zone 5, 6 gardening area is the perfect time to plant radishes. If you wait too much longer, they're and we get a spell of really warm weather, they're not going to form that nice round root or they're going to be super hot or they're going to be really kind of a woody texture to them. So now is the time to go out and sow. And then I go out maybe every week or two and sow another little row of seedlings. Um, and I keep doing that all the way until warm weather arrives. And that just sort of gives us a constant supply.
2: And then when, if you get, there's always a couple that don't head up. I just let them go and the flowers are good to bring in the good bugs. Yep. And then they put these little seed pods on and those taste like radishes. You get a hundred seed pods instead of one radish. Now
3: what's that one seed, that one variety of radish that's grown specifically for it's, is it rat's tail?
2: That sounds right. That sounds right. Something it's like a that. variety. Great of, name.
3: Yeah, I know, right? It's appetizing. It's a variety that's grown specifically for its seed pods, and the seed pods are long. They're like you know three, four inches long, and and people will allow them to go to seed and harvest and eat those seed pods, and apparently they're really good. I haven't tried them, but I've. I've well, read I some like just your them.
2: normal radish seed pods, and I yeah. like to throw them in a salad for guests, so that they are just like, what is this? And it's spicy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it tastes, it tastes <laughs> basically just like a like a radish. Right, right, right. Um, so. What do you think? You think it's too, you think the soil is going to be too wet to turn over, or you think people will be able to get in? You I don't know, think-
3: it's, it's interesting in my garden because I have one corner that's sort of low lying and stays a little bit wetter than the rest of the garden. And then there's an upper corner of the garden that dries out before any of the other ones do. So that one is usually where I plant my very early spring crops because I can get in there earlier. Um, you know, in a year like this, we haven't had. Um, you know a ton of rain this spring so you might be able to get out there and work your soil uh, but the deal is was we always say if you go out there and you turn over a shovel full of soil and the soil is sticking to the shovel it's too early and you're going to really damage that soil structure. I wonder so- how many
2: times we've said that
3: Probably a lot, an awful lot over all the years we've been working
2: And together. how many people have listened to that and they say, oh, here they go again, they're talking about stick to the shovel. I wonder well, if there's another way we can say it, like, uh, yeah, if the... If the clods on if, your if boots. The, yes, if the clods stick to your fingernails, don't... I don't know what you'd say.
1: <laughs> Let's, go. Let's go to George. We've got about two minutes for our next break. Hey, George, good morning.
5: Yeah, good morning. Hey, uh, kind of tied into what you guys were just talking to. Is it necessary to rotate your garden every spring because I haven't been doing it and it seems like it's working just fine (laughs) digging up around where I've put the plants in.
3: George, we are so glad that you asked this question. Rototilling is sort of old school anymore. All the new science is pointing to what Doug and I have both been doing in our gardens for years, and it sounds like you're doing as well, which is a technique called no-till gardening, where we literally are not turning over the soil before we do our planting. Instead, we're adding layers of organic matter, whether it's compost or well-aged manure or shredded up leaves or some type of organic matter. getting added to the garden every year and then we're planting right in that you know soil or in that organic matter
2: when it works too it, it really does, does you know i've got a, it's a whole a, lot less work too i've got a video at everybody gardens um this week that just basically just shows what i'm doing and those beds are getting deep with composting when you're adding just a couple inches every year and keeping it there by mulching it Boy, it's it's nice stuff and everything sprouts nice, it grows great, you know you know, I, I had a a bug expert actually from Phipps uh, come at the home show and, and he's a PhD and he said the one thing we already knew, but he was telling people by having the plants growing strong, that's a great way to
0: defeat bad bugs.
2: Absolutely.
0: Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This is Radio 1020, KDKA.
1: All right, let's take the 10th caller right now to win that wonderful $25 gift certificate from Janoski's. 412 1020 Number to get a hold of Doug and Jess, eight six six three nine one ten twenty. 391 1020
2: Join us today at three Giant Eagle Market District stores for our free monthly gardening and cooking demonstration. We're talking about our favorite spring gardening flower tips. (laughs) Our favorite spring gardening flowers, right? Yes. Then we're cooking a... I can't say and it. and
3: Gruyere Breakfast strata. Okay. I'll pronounce all the hard words. Don't worry.
2: I can do free seeds. Everybody gets free seeds. I can... Erica Strada is going to be there. <laughs> yeah. Don't
3: get people too excited, uh-huh. Rob. Yeah,
2: we'll have some chips. Uh, <laughs> s- s- we, you can win some gar- sorgal, Some, I give up. You read it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> We're also giving away sorghum gift certificates, and we have free roses courtesy of Anthony Teslar. One lucky winner at each one of the stores will win three Roses from Anthony Testar. And, I,
2: and how that works is you get a gift certificate, and they're going to ship those out. Actually, they're going to ship them out Monday. I have to give them all the ship names. Them right to your door, yep. which is exciting. give them all the names. We're at the Bethel Park store, 930 this morning. Then at 12, we're at Waterworks, and 230 at Pine. Come on out and see us. We're going to have a lot of fun.
1: All right, again, the number to dial to join Doug and Jess today, 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank, instant access, kdk.com. Next hour, Joe Dentisi and I talking chicken recipes. Let's go to Sue. Hey, Sue, how you doing?
5: Hi. Hi. Um, I have a poinsettia that has a white powder all over it. Um, not on all the leaves, and, but the leaves that have it, it doesn't matter if they're the red or the green. Mm-hmm. It does brush off, but I'm not sure I get all of it off. And, uh, you know, to get it all off, I'd have to get them wet. Oh. And I'm not sure that that's good for that sort of a plant. Yeah. Um, and the, the plant looks pretty healthy, except some leaves crumbling up.
3: Okay, so when you describe white powder, so is it mostly focused on that central vein of the leaf, or is it all over the whole surface?
5: Um, it is over the whole surface, but it does seem to be a little more at the central vein.
3: Okay, is it like a white powdery dust, or is it like fuzzy tufts of cotton? Um, I think the dust. Okay, more like the dust. Okay. Hmm. Because right it out the gate, to be too raised. They, it does or it doesn't seem it to does be. It does not seem to be too that's high not. off the plant. Hmm. Interesting. Because normally, you know, if we're, when you're talking about something white and fuzzy, we automatically think mealybugs because they sometimes can come, you know, from the greenhouse on the poinsettia and they don't really start to show themselves until sometimes several weeks later when the, more of them start to mature and the population builds enough to, to cause problems. But if you're describing it sort of as looking like the plant is dusted like talcum powder or something like that, that's you know, that might be something like powdery mildew, which is not something that we commonly see on an indoor house plant. Is this a poinsettia that you just had starting in this holiday season, or have you had it for a couple yeah, of years?
5: Just this season. Just mm-hmm. this
3: season. And when you wipe it off, does it have to be with a wet cloth that you wipe it, or does it just kind of brush off real easily with a dry uh,
5: paper towel? It, it seems to brush off with my thumb mostly, but I'm not sure that I'm getting all of it. So, like a couple of the uh, leaves I've used wet um, cloth. Okay. Uh not sure if that got all of it either. I'm not sure if I should be using something beyond, uh, you know, something Yep. Is, thumbs it, and, yeah, is paper. it
3: upper and lower leaf surfaces or just the top of the leaf? Just the top. And you're sure nobody is like doing something nearby that could cause it to have that kind of like talcum powder no. look or something on it?
5: No, That's, it's not real even. It is in little splotches and it is some of them seem to be more in the middle but not I
3: wonder if you it's know, like boltritis or well, downy mildew look, or I'm something. I'm
2: looking at, you know, this is for outdoor plants, you know, in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hawaii, oh, right. But right. it's, the, you know, it is blotchy. It looks rather I'm just the picture looks kind of blotchy. So I'm just, I'm looking it up and seeing what we can figure out.
3: So I would, I would, you know, if it's not mealybugs and you don't have that cottony look, I would think maybe something like boltritis, which is a fungal disorder that would cause the leaves to fall off eventually. But it would look, it almost looks a little more like a gray mold, like a fuzzy mold looking to it. So whatever you have is not, a real common poinsettia problem that we hear about a lot from people or that I've even seen a lot. I would say if it wipes off the plant pretty easily with a damp cloth, go ahead and wipe off the upper and lower leaf surfaces. Also try to wipe off the stem and the leaf petiole as best as you can to try to get, if it is a fungal issue, you want to get all the spores off of there and keep changing the cloth often. So use a paper towel, wipe off a leaf or two, Throw that paper towel away and get a new one. And try to keep up with it because hopefully it'll be something that you can just sort of physically remove like that and it won't continue to come back.
2: Yeah. Okay. So I'm sorry. Uh, Botrytis.
3: Botrytis. Gray
2: mold quickly colonizes damaged tissues. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's what it sounds like, but it's not a super common ailment. Listing powdery mildew. This
2: is greenhouse production powdery mildew. Yeah. Maybe one of those two. Huh. Trick question. Yeah. yeah. This has been kind of
1: like the Evelyn Wood speed reading class today. <laughs> but, you know, we're all having some issues here. Anyway, lead in the soil had it tested. Uh, nothing has been on the property for 35 years. What do they do to get rid of it? Dollar bank instant access.
3: Oh, yeah. Lead in the soil is, uh, you know, this is especially in urban settings can be really dangerous because especially if you have kids, grandkids, or even yourself, if you're growing vegetables, you're pulling them up out of the soil, you're working in the soil, there's a good chance that you're going to digest that. You know, you could digest lead parts particles, which obviously a whole host of neurological issues with ingesting lead.
2: How do they remediate it when they do it? So
3: remediating with the lead, I mean, there's not a lot you can do except additions of organic matter because the microbes and things in the organic matter really help to kind of process those heavy metals out of the soil. So when they talk about remediation, they will talk about adding compost. There's also certain plants that you can add that um, will help remediate that as well. I would actually really suggest that you contact... um, a, a soil scientist at Penn State and you can just get on the Penn State's extension service website call them tell them that you want to talk to somebody who does have some expertise in um, getting heavy metals out of soil because that's something that you really don't want to mess and around to, with. to
2: avoid it what they're doing with the FIPS program where they're putting gardens around in the city
3: mm-hmm.
2: they're putting a barrier down and then building up
3: so they're so, doing a raised bed, right? So on they'll top. put yeah, yeah
2: they'll put something on the ground, so you're not the roots aren't getting into the ground and then going up with compost. So that's another way to deal with it, so that you wouldn't have those roots in there.
3: And it's interesting because I've done um, you know some articles on dealing with heavy metals in the soil, and when they talk about you know gasoline having been leaded for all of those years, where they tend to see lead contaminated soils, is uh, right against the roads because what would happen is the exhaust from the cars hmm. gets absorbed by the trees. And the tree leaves fall at the end of the season, and then that lead ends up contaminating the soil on the on the you know next to roadways and things like that. So it's interesting. Unless you have your soil tested for heavy metals, you don't know that it's there. So it's really important to do.
1: All right, a visit to Phipps Conservatory from Dollar Bank Instant Access listener. How do you get your veggie plants to grow that beautiful and big as well as the flowers? How can I make my yard look as good as phipps conservatory
2: oh, good luck with that yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> no that's not you true. know
2: you, you want the the plants to, to grow strong and give them everything they need we talk about it all the time and it, it's it's planting the plants the at the right time but it, it's planting them in a, in a place or adding something to that place that that gives them everything they need like compost some kind of uh, you know organic matter that's that your your plants will grow great that way but you can't Expect a shade lover to do great in the sun or a sun lover to do great in the shade. You've got to think about that too. but just giving them the nutrients they need uh, is the first step.
3: And also making sure that they're watered properly when we have dry spells. That's another really important thing. Um yes, you want to plant you know as many native plants as you can because they're you know more adjusted to our native soils. They can handle a little bit more drought. But certainly most vegetables are not native, so you will have to do supplemental watering when we don't get enough rainfall, and that is really important. Um, But yeah, I mean, all great gardens start with the soil, and Mm -hmm. I know how much time and dedication (laughs) they put into uh, the soil and managing and caring for the soil at Phipps and, and other botanic gardens. So getting compost, getting organic matter in the soil, that is the place where all great gardens start.
2: wonder how many times we've said that.
3: Also a bajillion times over all these years, right?
1: <laughs> Congratulations to Jay. Crescent Township won himself a $25 gift certificate from Janoski's. 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdk.com. Joe and TC next hour hosting the Coons Cooking Hour, Talking Chicken Recipes.
0: There's only one. one. Only one station Pittsburgh depends on for breaking news, weather, and traffic. There's only one. There's only one voice of Pittsburgh. News Radio 1020, KDKA. If your lawn has
1: ever been plagued with crabgrass, you know how ugly it can be. But your friends at Chapman's Greenhouse can help. Chapman's has crabgrass preventatives with fertilizer, and right now is the time to act. Crabgrass preventatives work by keeping seeds from germinating before the grass even starts to grow. Choose from organic and inorganic. Visit Chapman's Greenhouse, Streets Streetsvarn Road in Baldwin Borough. 412-881-1520 or online at chapinsgreenhouse.com
6: Hi, this is Tom McMeekin, owner of Quality Gardens. I'd like to wish all of us a happy spring and invite everyone to visit our spacious greenhouse and nursery. You'll find everything you need to create the perfect space that completes your home. From a serene fountain to a sturdy maple tree, Quality Gardens has it all. And with Easter just around the corner, we of course have all the traditional Easter flowers, along with some very interesting and unique flowers to make your Easter all the more special. So get to know Quality Gardens. Route 228 minutes east of Cranberry.
2: Allegheny County property owners, there is still time to file an appeal of your property taxes, but only until March 31st. And this year, there are two methods which may help you lower your assessment. The first is a base year value. The second is a current year value with a common level ratio applied. Let me show you how these methods may work for you. Call the law firm of Robert Goldman at 412-531-6879. Don't pay more than your fair share. Call the law office of Robert Goldman located in Castle Shannon at
6: 412 531 2 or visit goldmanjustice.com The 2017 Country Mega Ticket, driven by Deal Automotive. Get tickets to three big shows for one great price. Dirk Bentley with Cole Down and John Party Saturday, June 24th Florida, Georgia Line with Nellie and Chris Lane, Saturday, August 19th Kill you can take me there. With Brad Eldridge, Saturday, September 9th. We can make the All live the key bank pavilion the 2017 country mega ticket driven by teal automotive get tickets to three big shows for one great price Dirk bentley with cole swindell and john party florida georgia line with nelly and chris lane luke Bryan with Brett eldridge tickets on sale now at megaticket.com snow
0: freezing temperatures wind chill when severe weather hits turn to the kdka storm center for up to the minute reports and road conditions the kdka storm center presented by nrg in good weather and bad nrg will keep you powered at home and on the go visit pickNRG.com.
1: Road to the Final Four. Underway, Gonzaga defeated Xavier 83-59. Gonzaga made 12 of 24 shots from three-point range in the win. Oregon rolls past Kansas 74-60. Tyler Dorsey had six threes and pumped in 27 for the victorious Ducks. Today at 220, South Carolina, Florida. CBS, Madison Square Garden, KDK TV2 locally, as it will be at 5.05 on CBS from the FedEx Forum when Kentucky takes on North Carolina. Archie Miller is the new coach at Indiana, signing a seven-year contract yesterday. He spent six seasons in Dayton, taking the Flyers to the NCAA tournament four times. Of course, his father, John Miller, his brother, Sean Miller, and... Of course, he is a Blackhawk high school graduate. PIAA basketball 2A title went to newman Caretti. They defeated Bishop Canavan 62-56 6A title. Last night, Redding defeated Pine Richland 64-60. Penns host the Flyers 7 p.m. tonight on the NBC Sports Network. And even though they've had more than their share of injuries, Coach Sullivan won't accept that as an excuse for their on-ice performance.
6: Yeah, we've got some guys out that are tough to replace. You know, that's obvious. But it's no excuse. We have guys in the lineup that are capable of winning games, and we know that, and that's our expectation, and that's the expectation we place on ourselves.
1: Pirates got a big day on the mound from Tyler Glasnow, and they defeated Detroit at Lecom Park, and he says he was pleased with his performance. There's a good amount of strikes, um, not a lot of walks. I just think a lot of foul balls and swing and misses and stuff, and I'm not really out there trying to do that by any means. I just think he's spinning the ball well today, and it was some deception, and it was just a lot of swing and misses. Following that 5 4 1 against the Tigers yesterday, it's Philadelphia at 105 as they begin play the final week of the exhibition season. Dustin Johnson, John Rahm headed into the semifinals of the Dell Technology match play at the Austin Country Club in Texas, and NASCAR racing for the checkered flag in California at the Auto Club 400. Rob Pratt, News Radio 1020, KDKA Sports.
0: Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This is Radio 1020, KDKA.
2: That time again for Mrs. Know-It-All, Denise Schreiber, Greenhouse Manager for Allegheny County Parks. Denise, how are you on this nice morning?
4: Uh, Oh, great. I'm actually going on a little road trip with a mutual friend, Martha Swift. We're going to a garden center she knows down in Steubenville, Ohio. So we're heading down there right after I'm done talking to you, actually. Oh, have fun.
2: Uh, yeah, what are you going to be looking for?
4: Oh, anything that strikes my fancy. <laughs> uh, that's the problem being in this business. It's like you tend to collect plants. Um, doesn't matter. It's like, oh, I don't have that one. I think I'll take that one home.
3: I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah.
4: So, actually, um, in my travels, I picked up a rapid test digital soil thermometer. I didn't have one. Now, there are some that have um, a dial face on them, and some of them combine with a light and moisture meter. You know, you can pretty much tell the moisture, you know, in the soil by holding your hand and squeezing it. If it falls apart, you know you're good to go. If it doesn't, it's too early to start messing with the soil. But for a lot of seeds that you germinate outside, you, the soil has to be at a certain temperature. And one of the things I was looking for, of course, is my beets and uh, peas. And, you know, I know a lot of people like to plant them around St. Patrick's Day. Well, St. Patrick's Day was a little bit cold to be planting peas out there.
2: Not in the greenhouse, it wasn't.
4: Well, yeah, (laughs) but outside it was. Um, So anyhow, this has a chart that comes with it and so peas germinate anywhere between 40 to 80 degrees ideal germination is 70 degrees but you can set the the transplants out at 45 degrees fahrenheit so this is a nice little chart to have and it is geared towards vegetables although if you were going to be doing flowers you know setting them outside i would go with like the tomato setting Mm -hmm. or the tomato scale So you know, because tomatoes like the warm weather. So if you were going to do flower seeds outside, that would be, you know, a guide to use for them.
3: That's great. And, uh, you know, soil temperature uh, gauge like that is good for so many things, Um, you know, to just know exactly where your soil is. Because when we talk about, you know, you can't can't plant things until the soil can be worked and all that stuff, you can also tell when to plant things by taking the soil's temperature. So that's pretty cool. It's a good investment. I
2: I did, you know, we were always talking about the winter sowing that and i put those radish seeds down january i think it was mm-hmm. and they came up during that warm spell mm-hmm. and they made it Yeah, you know without any problem yep. so the germination you know you get your germination temperatures but then a lot of plants like that mm-hmm. you know that love cold weather can handle just about anything left like mm-hmm. the peas
3: mhm great
1: all right it's uh, stan hey stan good morning hello stan <laughs> Okay, Stan. Let's go to uh, Nikki Salfeat. Hey, Nikki, how you doing?
4: I'm great, thank you. You're welcome. Um, I have i um, I've had a hibiscus with a braided trunk for many years, and last year I think I waited a little long before I brought it in, and and it's basically dead. But um, I have some growth coming from the very bottom branch, and I'm wondering what I can do to save that.
6: It's alive! It's alive! <laughs>
3: little bit of gro- any bit of growth is a good bit of growth when it's something you've had that long and then you forget to take it inside and, and you kill it. and you I know how that goes. That's happened to me before and I always well, feel pretty actually, terrible when it happens. No, but. actually
2: you and I, I think did the same thing. Well,
3: we, I did we, kill one on purpose yeah. one time. <laughs> oh gosh, it
2: got too big and I forgot I was, to bring it in. Yeah, I
3: was tired of moving it in yeah. and out. But yeah, so that with the hibiscus, you know, yes, if you wait even just a week or two too long to move it in and it gets subjected to some really cold temperatures, you will have that. So what happened is essentially the top growth died and is it coming back from the root or just real low on the trunk of the tree?
4: Uh, right next to the soil, it's coming from the trunk.
3: Yeah, okay. So that is, big leaves. Okay, so, <laughs> so if you really want to save the tree... You can wait another week or two to see if it leafs out higher up on the plant. If it doesn't, then you're going to want to cut the entire plant off just above uh, those leaves. And you're going to have to then generate new growth. You're going to be essentially starting from ground zero. It's going to be a long time until it gets big again. It's going to be an interesting
2: looking plant, too.
3: Yes, it is. But you know what? You never know. Sometimes they can grow pretty quickly, especially when they're starting from the ground up like that. But, uh, you know, hibiscus traditionally, for me, I like the Big Bang right out the gate. So I would go, me, I would go out and buy another one. But that's just me.
2: Yeah, but it's fun to kind of try and bring it back. But I'm trying to think, will it have like the braided... Bottom. Probably, and then yeah. Come up from the top, and <laughs> yeah. then you try and rebraid it. And right. <laughs> it would
3: be interesting.
2: It's going to be a piece of art.
3: There you go, <laughs> or not, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. So, yeah. Well, listen, we will hope you come and see us today at Giant Eagle Market District because we are there giving our free monthly gardening and cooking demonstration. Today, we're going to be talking about our favorite spring flowers and making a spinach and gruyere breakfast strata. We'll be giving away free seeds, sorgals, gift certificates, and each store, one lucky winner will win three free roses, courtesy of Anthony Teslar, will be at the Bethel Park store at 9.30, the Waterworks store at 12 noon, and at 2.30, we'll be at the Pine Township store in Wexford.
0: Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1040, KDKA.
2: Well, not enough time to take the call, but there is a question about unwrapping a fig tree and too early to do that. uh, You know, but when is is always the question. If those leaves come out and you get a frost, that's not going to be a good thing. So I like to wait until I just watch the weather, you know, and and do it in May. But a lot of people bring them out earlier and try and protect them. Remember, the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden
3: and a safer place to live.